Chapter 25 of Regiment of Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Regiment of Women by Clemens Dane. Chapter 25. On the following afternoon, Claire and Henrietta were sitting together in the mistress's room. The afternoon classes were over, and the day pupils and mistresses had gone home. The boarders were at supper, and the staff with them. But Henrietta had taken no notice of the supper hour. She had more work in hand than she could well compass. Letters to write and answer, of explanation and inquiry, and condolence. She could have found time for her supper, nevertheless, but when she was overworked, she liked her world to be aware of it. Claire, contrary to her custom, had stayed late. She was waiting for Alwyn. She had offered, perfunctorily enough, her assistance, but Henrietta had refused all help from her. Yet Henrietta had turned over the bulk of her formal correspondence to Alwyn, who sat, hard at work, in the adjacent office. She disliked Alwyn, but accepted the very necessary help from her more easily than from Claire Hartle. Yet she was softened by Claire's offer, which she had refused, and not at all grateful for Alwyn's help though she accepted it. She wrote busily for more than an hour, and Claire, silent, scarcely moving, sat watching her. Henrietta had, for once, no feeling of impatience at her idle supervision. She did not experience her usual sensation of intimidated antagonism. It was as if the stress of the last twenty-four hours had temporarily atoned the two incongruous characters. Neither by look or gesture had Claire flouted any suggestion or arrangement of Henrietta's. Indeed, her presence had been quite distinctly a support. Henrietta had appealed more than once, and even confidently, to her. Henrietta had thought, with a touch of compunction, how strangely trouble brought out the best in people. Miss Hartle had been very proud of Louise Denny, evidently felt her death. The shock was causing her to unbend not, as one would have expected, to Alwyn Durand. She hoped, by the way, that Miss Durand was addressing those envelopes legibly. She did so dislike an explosive handwriting. No, Miss Hartle was turning, very properly, to herself in the emergency. She was pleased. There should be Freemasonry between the heads of the school. And Claire Hartle, for all her lazy indifference, was influential and enormously capable. Henrietta wondered if it would be safe to consult her. She might, without acknowledging a definite uneasiness, find out cautiously whether it had occurred to Miss Hartle that she, Henrietta, might be considered to have been negligent. She glanced across at her inscrutable colleague. Claire was staring thoughtfully at her. Her lips were puffed a little, as if in doubt. Their eyes met for a moment in a glance that was almost one of understanding. Henrietta hesitated, for the first time not at all disconcerted by Claire's direct gaze, but the sparkle of gay malice that attracted half her world and disconcerted the other half was gone from Claire's eyes. Their expression, for the time being, was calm, possibly friendly, at any rate irreproachably matter-of-fact. Henrietta flung down her pen with a sigh of fatigue and bent and unbent her cramped fingers. But it was not fatigue that made her stop work. She wanted to talk to Claire Hartle, and had a queer conviction that Claire Hartle wanted to talk to her. Finished? 
Claire spoke from the shadow of her deep chair. Her back was to the light, but Henrietta faced the west window. The evening sun laid bare her face for Claire's inspection. Not a flicker of expression could escape her, if she chose to look. More or less, I want half an hour's rest. I don't wonder you've had everything to see to. Clara's voice was delicately sympathetic. Henrietta unbent. A secretary's work isn't showy, Miss Hartle, but it's necessary, and any happening that's out of the common doubles it. The correspondence over this unhappy affair alone. I know, of course, at Miss Marsham's age. It all falls on me. People don't realize that. The extra work is enormous. Miss Marsham depends on me so entirely, of course. Yes, yes, murmured Claire appreciatively. Henrietta played with her papers. I feel the responsibility very strongly, she said abruptly, but her tone was confidential. Claire nodded. Yet, of course, as far as nominal responsibility goes, I am not the head of the school. I cannot be held responsible. Any oversight? Claire nodded. Oh, Miss Vigors, you merely carry out instructions like the rest of us. She hesitated imperceptibly. Officially, she added slowly. Henrietta looked relieved. I am so glad you see what I mean. Oh, I do entirely, Claire assured her grimly. I'm not heartless, said Henrietta suddenly, flushing. Her tone justified herself against unuttered criticism. And the poor child's death was as much a shock to me as to anyone. But I was not fond of her, as you were, for instance. Claire's pose never altered. I was very proud of her, she said gently. I thought her an exceptional child. But, as Miss Durand said to me only a few days ago, I didn't really know her. Not, at least, as she did. Alwyn, I know, thinks we have lost a genius. But you're right. It was a shock to me, a terrible shock. It was that to everybody, naturally. But in a way, it's curious, said Henrietta meditatively, how much we all feel it, how oppressively, at least. For I don't think anyone was very fond of Louise. Oh, Mr. Anne was deeply attached to her, Claire protested, her beautiful voice low with emotion. Yes, of course. Oh, I've noticed that. Claire's unusual accessibility made Henrietta anxious to agree. Also, though she had noticed nothing unusual, she did not wish to appear lacking in penetration. She recalled Alwyn's haggard face, recollected how much she had had to do with the child, and decided that Claire was probably right. But except for her, she went on, and your interest in her. I never had such a pupil, said Claire calmly. Industrious, original. Oh, I shall miss her, I know. But you're right. She was not popular. Yet everybody feels her death, among ourselves, I mean, to an extraordinary degree. After all, an accident is only an accident, however dreadful. But there's a sort of oppression on us, a kind of fear. Do you know what I mean? I think we all feel it. It draws us together in a curious way. The tie of common funk, rapped out Claire, forgetting her role. Henrietta stiffened. I don't think it is an occasion for slang, she said. The child's not buried yet. Claire bit back a flippancy. I thought you would realize, continued Henrietta severely, that the situation is trying for us all. Of course I do, 
Claire hastened to soothe her. But seriously, Miss Figures, I do not think you need to be anxious. The inquest, oh, a painful ordeal if you like. But you, at least, can have no reason to reproach yourself. Henrietta relaxed again. No, as I say, I'm not the head of the school. I'm not responsible for regulations, only for carrying them out, and accidents will happen. I only hope, said Claire, as if to herself, that it will be considered an accident. Henrietta stared. But, Miss Hartle, of course it was an accident. Claire looked at her wistfully. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Yes, of course. It must have been an accident. Her tone dismissed the matter. But Henrietta was on the alert. Her own anxieties had been skillfully allayed. Her mind was recovering poise. She nosed a mystery, and her reviving sense of importance insisted on sharing the knowledge of it. Miss Hartle, you are not suggesting? Her tone invited confidence. Claire gave a little natural laugh. Oh, my dear woman, I'm all nervous just at present. Of course I'm not suggesting anything. One gets absurd ideas into one's head. I'm only too relieved to hear you laugh at me. Your common sense is always a real support to me, you know. I've grown to depend on it all these years. I'm afraid I've got into the way of taking it too much for granted. She gave a charming little deprecatory shrug. Henrietta flushed. She felt herself warming unaccountably to Claire Hartle. She wondered why she had never before taken the trouble to draw her out. She was evidently a woman of heart as well as brain. She felt vaguely that she must constantly have been unjust to her. But these sensations only whetted her eager curiosity. She pulled in her chair to the hearth. But what ideas, Miss Hartle? If you will tell me, I should be the last person to laugh. I have far too much respect for... I wish you would tell me what is worrying you. Does anything make you think it was not an accident? Claire was the picture of reluctance. Impressions, vague ideas, is it fair to formulate them? Even if Louise were unbalanced. But, of course, I did not see much of her out of class. I confess I thought her manner strained at times. But I teach. I have nothing to do with the supervision of the younger children. That is Miss Durand's business, remarked Henrietta crisply. Oh, but if she had noticed anything, began Claire, then, lamely, obviously she didn't. It was her business to. She should have reported to me. Why, she coached Louise, didn't she? Of course, if Louise had really overworked, badly, reflected Claire, with the distressed air of one on whom unwelcome ideas are dawning. One hears of cases in Germany, but it's impossible. Henrietta looked genuinely shocked, but nonetheless she was excited. She failed in that exam, she adduced. Yes, Miss Durand coached her for that, you know. Poor Miss Durand, how she slaved over her. She was dreadfully disappointed, said Claire indulgently. Of course, she let her overdo herself, cried Henrietta triumphantly. But she coached her too, didn't you notice either? I coached the whole class. You know how busy I am. I'm afraid I left Louise a good deal to Alwyn, said Claire regretfully. But she's supposed to be grown up. An asset to the school, according to Miss Marsham, said Henrietta tartly. But, I must say, if she couldn't see that the child was doing too much, she's not fit to teach. Oh, my dear, cried
cried Claire distressed. You mustn't say such things. You've no idea how conscientious Alwyn is. She may have worked Louise too hard, but with the best intentions. She would be heartbroken if you suggested it. Oh, you are always very lenient to Miss Duran, began Henrietta with a touch of jealousy. Ah, she's so young, so full of the zeal of youth. Besides, I'm very fond of her. Claire smiled, took Henrietta into her confidence, confessed to an amiable weakness. Henrietta brooded. Oh, Miss Hartle, you talk of my common sense. I wish, I wish you could see Miss Duran from my point of view for a moment. She eyed Claire attentive and plastic in her shadows, and took courage. This appalling probability, possibility, Claire deprecated. Oh, but it seems terribly probable to me, only carries on my idea of Miss Durand. She is so ignorant, so inexperienced, so undisciplined. She cannot possibly have a good influence on young children. She is my friend, Claire reminded her with gentle dignity. And if your suspicions are correct, if Louise's death were not accidental, if it had anything to do with her state of mind, if it were the effect of overwork, I consider, I must consider Miss Duran in some measure responsible. I feel that Miss Marsham should be told. Claire shook her head, her solemn, candid eyes abashed Henrietta. Miss Vickers, we are speaking in confidence. I should never forgive myself if anything I've said to you were repeated. Of course, of course, Henrietta appeased her hastily. But I've had my own suspicions, oh, for a long time, I assure you. I've not been blind, and I might feel it my duty. On my account, you understand. After all, Miss Marsham depends on me implicitly to speak to her for the sake of the school. Claire considered. That, of course... I can't prevent. But, Miss Vigors, forgive me, but don't let your sense of responsibility make you unfair. And for heaven's sake, don't let my vague uneasiness, it's really nothing more, affect your judgment. We may both be utterly mistaken. I am sure the result of the inquest will prove us mistaken after all. It will be found to have been an accident. Henrietta closed her lips obstinately. Claire rose in her place. It was an accident, she cried passionately. In my heart, I am sure. I wish I'd never said anything to you. I'd no right to be suspicious. Think of what Miss Duran's feelings would be if she realized. She flung out her hands appealingly. Oh, we're two overwrought women, aren't we? Sitting in the dusk and scaring ourselves with boogies. It was an accident, Miss Vigors. A tragic accident. Make yourself think so. Make me think so, too. Her beautiful eyes implored comfort. Henrietta, quite touched, patted her awkwardly on the arm. She enjoyed her transient superiority. Of course, of course, we'll try to think so. Now you must go home. You are quite overwrought. It will be a trying day for us all tomorrow. I shall go to bed early, too. Won't you go home now? Claire nodded, mute, grateful. She went to her peg and took down her hat and jacket. Have you finished with Mr. Rand? She was going home with me. Oh, Mr. Rand. Henrietta's tone grew crisper. Yes, of course. I'll see if she has done. I'll send her to you. And you mustn't let yourself worry, Miss Hartle. Leave it all to me. These things are more my province. Good night, said Henrietta cordially. 
she left the room. Claire, pinning on her hat, stared critically at herself in the inadequate mirror. I think, she said confidentially, we did that rather well. She smiled. The cynical lips smiled back at her. You beast, cried Claire, with sudden passion. You beast, you beast. She was still staring at herself when Alan came for her. End of chapter 25 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.